I'm Alan, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her, and you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Hello and welcome back to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast hosted by the good folks. Uh, that's us. We're the good folks at Broad Digital Consulting. This week, we are back with our final Pride Month installment centering LGBTQ plus folks in business, interacting with business, being marketed to, doing the marketing, et cetera, et cetera. This here is part two of the work that we started last week with Julian Whitney. Scorpio God and software engineer at the Trevor Project, an organization that provides crisis support services to LGBTQ plus youths. We are here talking to Julian about how cisgender people or people who were born as the gender with which they identify can be better allies to their trans friends in the workplace. Alan, I know that you were dying to ask a question for all of our ally friends. I'll have you take it away. I am sure there are people that are still like, okay, but where am I supposed to go to find this information if you won't tell me? Danielle? <laughs> no, I mean, thanks, thanks for that, Alan. Uh, in that voice, too. Um, no, I, I think that this is an important question because uh, for those of you who have been listening, you know, s since day one, our OGs. Uh, you've heard the episode with Amir where we talked about the fact that like search results are going to be potentially unique to every single person and that um, the type of thing that's going to come up in your search results for people who are earnestly searching but may um, be in, let's call them more politically conservative circles, you are likely to get different information. Um, so are there like specific, like instead of just telling people to Google things, like while I understand that, you know, it's, it's important to not make trans people do this labor for you. Um, and, and to do your own research. I, I lately am hesitant to tell people like, there's a Google for that because I don't know what people are getting. And right now we've got a lot of really awful rhetoric around trans people that are conspiracy theories, that are, are bigotry, that are hateful, that are violent, that are dangerous. And so are there specific resources that we can give to allies um, or to people who just want to understand, who really do want to educate themselves, who want to do this research, to be able to find accurate information that, that conveys the humanity of, of trans folks as well? Yeah, so I originally... Um when I was thinking of this question, no soliciting answers, I originally just wrote Google as well. And then I had someone else point out to me that, you know, Google surfaces just as much transphobic, homophobic results as it will um, yeah. actual results. Um, I, and this person pointed out that, you know, employers should have 
you know, a resource set in place, you know, so that it's not the trans person that has to be like, if you have questions, go here. It can be like HR being like, if anyone has, is seeking information and they don't know where to go to find more, I recommend these places. Um, to like name some off the top of my head, I would just do any typical nonprofits, um, National Center for Transgender Equality, I think. Um, the ACLU, um, Human Rights Campaign, HRC, I think they're like really active on Instagram. Um, GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D, um, at least these are the ones in America that I know. Um, there's also like the Unicorn. Um, and then obviously I work at the Trevor Project. Uh, the focus is for trans and queer youth. Um, so if looking for more information about queer youth, uh, you know, 24 and under, um, specifically, uh, it does also have some basic information, but it is targeted towards, um, people trying to understand youth experiences, but I can't find the thing about the unicorns. Maybe I made that up. Was it m- mermaids? Mermaids. Yeah. Yeah. Mermaids. Mermaids. And unicorns. That's fine. Yeah. Mermaids, I think, is a UK resource. They were the ones that got defunded by the the UK government this last year. They still exist. Um, They just aren't receiving government funding from what I remember. Yeah. I just remembered them as one of the one of many on the list of uh, good ones to donate to. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. For us allies who want to be better at being allies, um, I have we have a couple more questions just for the non-trans people in the room. Uh, what do I do if I mess up? If I make a joke that offends a coworker? If I misgender someone on a call? If I use the wrong name in the wrong time? What's your recommendation on if you made a whoopsie? Yeah, so this is definitely unique to every person, a preference here. But I think a general guideline is, um, in general, do not make a big deal out of it. Do not stop a whole conversation, stop a whole meeting. Um, Do not make it about you, you know, saying, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I messed up. And in the moment, apologize and correct yourself and move on. So so say you're saying, so this weekend, Carly and I, I'm so sorry. I mean, Max and I, blah, 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 and then move on from there. And then after messing up, you're going to want to talk to this um, person one-on-one if you haven't already and say, I'm so sorry I messed up your name in the meeting. I will do my best to not have that happen again. If you prefer to me to handle this differently in the future, let me know, although I will do my best to not have that happen. You want to do that in a way where they're not forced to reply, where they're not forced to say, it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. or no problem, you know, just something like that. So it's perfectly good to, you know, append at the end there, uh, no need to reply otherwise, you know, just so you've made it clear that you've noticed your mistake, you will change in the future. And, and, and yeah, is basically uh, my advice on that. Um, I think that people tend to do the first two things I mentioned where they go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or that they message you right away on DM saying, hey, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Are you okay? You you don't want to cause further harm or, or distraction to the person who you just misgendered in the meeting. 
um, because they're also there as well. Sure. Um, I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on that, Alan, if you've got personal opinions. Wow. Now Julian's doing it to me, just like Danielle <laughs> does. I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts. No, I'm just Alan. kidding. <laughs> no, yeah. My biggest, I mean, listen, we've talked about my therapist a lot on this podcast and also I have avoidance patterns that I'm working on deeply, but that also means that like, I don't like, and I have these like things I'm working on about being a burden, like the faster you can move through it, the better, the less conflict I have to deal with, the less labor, the less embarrassed I am, like the less I have to tell you it's okay, the better. Because I I think it's really common among trans folks that we have to put in so much work just like soothing well-intentioned people um, from their like mistakes when like I would really just love for them to self-soothe. You know, um, and and that's honestly when I get to the point where I'm like, actually, like misgender me, use my wrong name. It's when I feel like that other person is going to be so much work for me that it's not worth it. And to be fair, that's that's self-abandonment. I don't want to do that. Right. Like I want to be myself everywhere I go. Um, But, you know, sometimes I have to be like, how much do I got here to give to this? You know, Um, And I think we've had experiences internally with broad where something has happened and that's been handled really well as an example. Um, Like in the way that Julian just described, it was like, I was like, Hey, that thing wasn't cool. You're like, got it. Won't do it again. Won't do it again, bro. See ya. Let me know if you need anything more, you know? And that was really nice for me. And it helps me feel safe to like be in the space to speak up again if I need to. Um, and it also helps me chill out and not have to do more work than I'm already doing to chill myself out, if that makes sense. I actually have a follow-up question on that for um, managers, for HR folks, because as much as I would love to lean on this idea that all HR professionals have, one, been actually trained in human resources, just period, and didn't just get a default title, uh, and also, two have been trained in things like diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, specifically around uh, trans issues, as much as I would love to believe that that was the case. I used to help hire for those positions, and I know that it's not. So, you know, in terms of if you are a manager or an HR professional, and, uh, you know, as a manager, if I have a, a trans employee come to me and say, you know, uh, this thing happened with another employee. I don't feel like it was malicious, but I also don't really want to like deal with confronting it just in general, you know, how that, that manager, that HR professional, how do you feel like they should be handling it? Do in, in such a way, again, where they're taking cues from the employee who is is concerned, who has a concern, who's bringing concern, but also doesn't make them do all the labor. And, uh, you know, do you do you encourage any kind of like follow up after that or or, you know, what kind of monitoring should those folks be doing? That's an amazing question. 
It was a big question. Well, because I I don't know personally, because I'm not, you know, I'm not even trained in HR stuff. So I'm not sure if I can fully, you know, answer what they should do. I just think by instinct, the HR person should think, what can I do to make this person more comfortable um, within, what can I do to make this person more comfortable? And what can I do to make sure this person doesn't have to do any more work? So you can ask a few clarifying questions, but I wouldn't say like, what do you want me to do about it? You know, um, you know, treat it as, you know, a a similar other um, workplace, you know, misdemeanor where you, you approach the other employee and be like, Hey, I've, I've heard that you've don't say so-and-so told me just be like, I've heard that you've misgendered so-and-so a few times in meetings. This is not okay. I'm going to make sure that, I follow up with you about this and I recommend, you know, this document, this training, this whatever to learn more about what you can do to avoid this happening again. That's just my like instinct of kind of what I would want to happen if this was was happening to me, Um, because at that point, I don't have to tell anyone anything. Maybe the HR person should also make make sure that it's clear um, what the company policies are, especially, you know, against retaliation and things like that. So then that employee isn't DMing the trans person being like, did you tell on me? You know, so I think to make clear those boundaries as well. Sure. I know that, you know, we've had uh, in the past, I know, Alan, there was a, a campaign with a client that you had brought up, you know, Hey, um, this, the, the way that, that, uh, drag Queens are being subbed in for, you know, uh, a trans campaign, uh, is making me uncomfortable. And I think that I've responded to you like, okay, would, do you want me to like support you in saying something in your voice? Do you want me to say something like what feels most comfortable for you? And I don't know. I, I mean, like that we're a very small team, right? So um, these are, these are just generally ongoing conversations, but I, I think that like I've wanted in the past to take my cues from like, what is going to make you feel the most comfortable without being stepped over, you know, that like, again, like dive. I'm going to fucking teach them, you know? So I don't know. What's been your take on that? Yeah, it's so hard because my personal journey is so intermingled with the professional journey. Like speaking up is something that has only recently felt empowering for me in in these situations. Um, Whereas back then, I don't think I felt as comfortable in my job position, my standing in the company. I was rather new in terms of being a full-time employee. Um, I was newer to the client. And so at that point in time, it was better if you stepped in. Um, Whereas like, if we had that meeting today, I'd be like, hey, (laughs) has anyone considered... <laughs> this right you know as your trans ambassador in the room shall we <laughs> me trying to be chat gpt right now <laughs> i'm like furiously chat gpt having to say this <laughs> you know um so 
yeah, and that's what's so hard. And, and you'll hear, you, you, like, you hear Julian say this a lot. It's like, it just depends. And so sure. much is fluctuating. I mean, it's kind of cool because, I mean, that's what queering things is, right? Like, we are, in a general sense, queering things is is presenting the f- fluidity of the human experience into our world, you know, and, but we are in like an extremely (laughs) like a world that isn't set up that way right now. So it is hard to be like, well, sometimes and other times this, you know? Yeah. I think that's something that Alan, I know you and I have talked to, uh, you know, ad nauseum about uh, when we were working on gay podcast is uh, just like, are we, are we at a place where it's responsible to talk about nuance, but at the same time, like we have to be able to talk about that nuance if we're going to progress forward and stop trying to fit it into the, the format that things exist in right now. Um, you know, something, I I remember a conversation, uh, with a friend of mine who works in a, um, a field that I won't say is like, white cishet male dominated, but the department that my friend was in was definitely that. It was a lot of like um, retired or, uh, well, retired cops, retired military, like Mm -hmm. uh, things like this, that, you know, these folks were older, they were, you know, scruff McGruff kind of a thing. They, they're very set in their ways and, and the, the world that they've lived in for decades. Um, and when this company did, you know, sort of this DEI day around, uh, I, it might have actually been Pride last year that this happened. Um, you know, my friend was talking to me about like, yeah when I'm in conversation with them privately, like I know it seems like they are coming from a place of genuinely trying to understand and learn at least, you know, the team that this person was on. But I, I feel like I need to correct things, but also I'm a cis person and I don't necessarily know like what to say or what not to say. So that kind of led me to think about the the question, you know, just in terms of like, as an ally, what should I do if I hear somebody being misgendered with them in the room, without them in the room, or just in general, you know, it, it could be that many of our listeners work in places where they don't know of any trans people in their workplace, but maybe they hear uh, questions or people sharing, you know, misconceptions, misperceptions about trans people, you know, without trans folks in the room, how should allies take it upon themselves to respond to those things in a way that is helpful uh, and not harmful? Um, That's definitely like a a twofold question. I think the second part um, about, you know, if you hear someone saying, incorrect or offensive things about trans people. Um, I think if you're in a workplace setting, you say, um, I think this topic is inappropriate. I'll send you some resources offline. Um, If you're in a non-workplace setting, you can choose how bold you want to get in your responses personally. Um, But, you know, I obviously advocate standing up for 
trans people, standing up for for people and um, any minority in a situation that that would happen, um, as it's more safe for you to to do so as uh, for for the, rather than they, it is more safe for you to do so than it is for them. Um, but that brings around the topic of safety, and I, I think I want to definitely emphasize this with the first part of your question: is what to do if someone misgenders a coworker in a meeting, um, especially as an ally? Is this this is really dependent on there's like two factors here there's what that coworker wants and w- what setting that coworker wants you to do it in um so you can say okay in a meeting um i would prefer like say you talk to them say when they come out to you or when you find out say hey i or say someone misgenders in the meeting you can mention them say hey i saw that so and so misgendered you in the meeting this is how it was handled in the future would you like to would like you like that to be how it was handled? Would you prefer I say something? Would you prefer you only say something? And then they'll give you an answer of what what they prefer. Um, it's going to be person to person. You know, some people are like, "Stand up for me." I'm too scared. Some people are like, "Don't stand up for me. I won't stand up for me. I'll just let it happen." And you have to be okay with that. Some people are like, um, "Nope. If I'll say something, I want to. If not, it's fine." Um, but I do think after that, you should ask the clarifying question of. Every time you're in a new setting um, with a different client, you know, there can be some situations where the the trans person feels unsafe. So, you know, the situation you were just describing, you know, rough McGruff people, um, those people can feel kind of threatening. And so if you're in a situation and typically your coworker defends you, um, you might want to say, hey, for these group of men, I'd rather not be defended i would rather feel more safe i would feel more safe if we didn't make a deal out of this if they misgendered me um or if you're you know at a conference where the audience is way different you know than your typical employees where you go hey i don't want to be out to all of these people so they may call me by this name they may call me by this pronoun please do not correct them it should be i think at that point the ally the friend Mm -hmm. to ask ahead of time um, be like, this is a new situation, same as is or or not. Um, but if you want to be a good support for that employee, I think it is is careful before you go in and and be their ambassador that you know that you're actually doing what they want rather than what makes you feel good to be like, hey, that's not their name. And I do think last part I want to say is if a, if a an employee gets misgendered in a meeting and it's you know one of the first times it's happened um and you you you're sending that message this is how it's handled how do you want me to handle it i think it's also maybe nice if you're a friend to do like hey do you want to set up a buffer time after this meeting to go for a walk solo with me or for a treat or to decompress talk about what happened no pressure like you know no need to reply if you don't want to because it's it would be nice for it can be nice for uh, an employee to hear that that person knows that what happened wasn't just a no big deal, you know, maybe it was, but you know, if they're like, no, actually I really should just go for a walk on my, by myself right now okay. or, you know, take 20 minutes by myself. They're not going to, they're probably not going to ask for it if it's a new situation. So I think to offer it is the best way to go. That's awesome. my personal opinion. Thank you. 
I love that. I love the little walk afterwards or the like time to decompress. I think that is such a, a nice offer. Yeah, I think like, we tend to remember to do that, you know, if a, if a meeting gets heated, if people get mad. But, you know, misgendering um, or, you know, even if it's not misgendering, even if you're with a client who's saying blatant, transphobic, racist things, and, you know, you're in a scenario where you have to please this client for some reason, you know, like say you're at a big company and it's your job to secure this client, then you have to listen to them say all this stuff. You know, to be a good coworker at that time is you can, you know, message the trans employee, hey, I got this one. Feel free to step out. Anything like that where you, where if everything got heated, you you would do the same thing, you know. Feel sure. free to step out. Feel free to take a walk after this. Let's make sure we're okay to come back to work. If not, take the day, you know. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was thinking about, cause we were, we've, we're using the term safety a lot. And like, I think about what we mean by that. Cause I think sometimes they're like, you're not, you're not in physical danger. Like, what are you talking about? You don't feel safe or whatever. I mean, that lacks an understanding of like the violence that, you know, trans folks face <laughs> like literally all the time. Um, but I think like understanding emotional safety, psychological safety um, is important too, because that does tend to like taking a walk tends to provide some emotional safety, some psychological safety or having a buddy system is, is a physical safety thing too, where you can walk around with somebody and understanding that, you know, trans people live under this threat pretty much constantly. And so like littler things are going to send us higher towards the, I don't know what I'm hitting. Like I'm hitting the umbrella somehow, but like it tends to sting a lot more, even if it's just a small thing at one point in time, um, depending on that person's capacity. And especially if they have intersecting identities too, that may be also under attack at any given moment. Well, <laughs> awesome. So um, the next and last little bit we're going to chat about is um, ERGs. How can you start one? How can you get involved in one? These are employee resource groups. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk about specifically trans-focused ones. So Julian, um, does Trevor Project have an ERG? or? Yeah, so we have, you know, I think officially... Um, you know, building ones with, you know, funding and a manager and stuff has only been within the past year um, because I feel like employee research groups um, can tend to be kind of more grassroots where it's just a bunch of people who are very similar and get together and talk or it can be something that a bigger company, you know, officially implements where they have, you know, someone that's C-suite level that runs it, uh, that like oversees it and can get budgets, things where they bring in speakers, monthly movie nights, things like that. So we have a bunch for different uh, identities, um, a few like Black at Trevor, Latina at Trevor, uh, AAPI at Trevor, but we also have Trans at Trevor. And I think those are like some of our main active ones. Since most people at, at Trevor are queer, we, we don't really have an LGBTQ because that would just be the entire company. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not the entire company. One. If we go like LGBTQ plus allies, it would be the entire company. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, I was going to make a joke there, but I don't think I should. 
Um, oh man, <laughs> God, you tease. So LGBTQ rude. people and men with bi wives, it would be the entire thing. for gamer boyfriends. Anyways, they're like recently becoming more active and having a budget and making sure that there's dedicated leaders and the leaders have dedicated time slots and that you know, during specific months, you know, like Pride Month or Black History Month, that those ERGs get a little more funding, a little more attention. But setting up an ERG at a company, if you feel like you you have the capacity to do it, it can be a little bit of work or it can, you can just start where you message other people being like, hey, are you, are you interested in getting lunch together? And like, oh, we should do we should do lunch of all of us trans people, you know, uh, once a month. And then if if people tend to have interest in that, um, then you can think about, wait, why doesn't the company do something for this? Some even bigger companies that care about their employees a lot <laughs> will have extra incentives for if you're a leader of an ERG, um, and will give funding to ERGs to pay for a speaker, things like that. So um, there are benefits to it. And uh, there's a bunch of research out there to show, you know, a company the benefits of having them. I think someone I solicited feedback from said, sent this article from CultureAmp that um, all the benefits of an employee research group. So re- resource, resource group. <laughs> So I do think they're fun, but I do and beneficial to have. And especially when you want people to feel comfortable or have a place to go when something happens, um, you know, say someone keeps being misgendered at work and they don't really feel like going to HR. They can just message the ERG and be like, Hey, just want an event, you know, or Hey, does anyone have advice about this? I think it, it's great to have these organizations, but I do want to emphasize that two major things. One, when you're thinking of starting one up, do not just message all the trans people or all the black people um, at, at your company and be like, hey, join this ERG. Just because it exists does not mean every person that fits under that umbrella wants to join, um, especially if it's new and it feels like it's othering them. You know, you want to try to phrase it as, hey, there's a new ERG at the company. If you feel like joining events and having a group chat or coming to lunch, feel free to join whenever, you know, rather than being like, if you're a trans, join. You're a trans. <laughs> hey, you're a trans. Do you want to do a, some trans stuff with us? <laughs> I would kind of do that at Trevor for the first few months when I worked there. Whenever someone would onboard with like, not a binary pronoun, I'd message them being like, hey, welcome to Trevor. By the way, there's this group chat of all of us if you want to join. <laughs> But that was just me personally, um, but I did meet one of my good friends that way. So it has some has some benefits. Yeah. But you don't really you don't really want to single someone out um, in, a, in a company like that unless you um, have some more awareness about the language you're using. Um, but the second thing I want to emphasize, too, besides not just forcing everyone to join something if they don't want to, is... Um, the thing I mentioned earlier about the way people try to include trans people in ERGs or in events, 
um, and are accidentally really offensive. So saying like a woman plus event or a woman and non-binary event, um, wording it like that, um, or even saying like eight, you know, eight assigned female at birth event, that's really bad. Um, Try not to like combine what a non-binary person is with a different identity. Um, You can't just be like, oh, well, non-binary people are basically close to women because that's not true. So saying that you have a woman and non-binary event um, as like a woman with the X instead of the E, you know, to say that it's for not just women isn't really the way to go. I think if you're having an event for women, make it for women. Make sure that trans women feel safe in that space as well, because they're often excluded from spaces. They're often seeing a woman-focused event and can be scared to to join those because of often being um, discriminated against for those spaces. Um, and I think in those women events, you should make sure to not do anything that implies that, you know, we were all girlies, you know, that all of our experiences are the same um, because that is also excluding trans women. Even if they're there, it doesn't mean the language and the things you're using um, includes them in what you're defining as a woman event. And then I think that for trans employees, that's a separate situation. If, If the trans group wants to do an event with the women group, that can be a trans and women group, but I don't think you should try to combine a trans identity with, with something it's not. So I wanted to make sure to be extra careful because I feel like companies are trying to be more inclusive and are accidentally being offensive. Sure. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a a really excellent consideration. Non-binary is not just diet gender. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was, am I wrong? <laughs> no, I've, I've never heard that. And I just like, it caught me off guard. <laughs> I was like, that's so good. It's where it's Bud Light. It's like, yeah, gender light. <laughs> I mean, I feel like for some people, they could experience their, their gender as like a gender light. Yeah. Which is, I, do, I know. Kind of, it would be kind of cool. Yeah. But that's not every that's not every non-binary person. Oh my god. God. Um I uh really we we try to wrap up by talking about action items, but I think that in general, um we've had a lot of really good action items that have come out of this. Um, you know, something that that I was thinking about just as we were talking that what that I've heard like clients do uh that, I mean, generally that's who I work with is this team and clients. Um, people talking about like ladies and gentlemen, like, and, and announcing binaries or like, Hey ladies, we've definitely had clients that have rolled in and been like, how do you ladies feel about this? And so like being, being more gender expansive in terms of who you're referring to things like folks, Um, You know, another one that I had seen recently was um, uh, the consideration like for managers, for HR folks, for people who own businesses, um, consider uh, removing gender from your bathrooms and things like that. Um, I I had read uh, 
something that I just had never really thought about uh, the personal account of a couple of trans employees in this workplace that I was reading about that had to, they worked in this massive office building and uh, had to go down like 10 floors to use a bathroom. And so, you know, considering uh, making the the bathrooms that you have in your establishment, you know, either single use or, um, you know, figure out a way to make it safe for everybody to use and not make some people go out of their way. Were there other uh, considerations that you all could think of that maybe we didn't uh, discuss in detail today, just things that you would want to toss out um, for other action items or things that people should be aware of? That was a really good one. I forgot that my previous company, I um, it was four floors and then the lobby and the lobby was the only gender neutral restroom. So that's definitely happens. I think just, we've kind of already mentioned this, but having regular DEI training um, so people have this and have this knowledge um, and even having additional resources along with the DEI training provided, like where do you go if you have questions, what we talked about earlier. Um, And not just starting that when you have your first queer employee, you know, to make sure it's normalized and you've had that. Um, for a while. I know that one is that has come up with, um, with clients in the past is um, talking about, especially when we're talking about like trans specific ERGs, that um, if you're a cis employee, you need to be aware that where there is something like a trans ERG, or there is a trans space that is limited to trans people, it is not discrimination against you to not be a part of that space. Um, you know, places like ERGs are are opportunities for people to share some of the experiences that might be shared that they deal with inside of a workplace uh, of, of any marginalized group. Um, and so, you know, to... <laughs> not take offense to not being invited or worse steamroll and believe that you can or should be invited because you are a manager or a business owner or, or somebody in a position of power. If you do not fit the bill, then that means that is not a space for you to be in. Um, I know that was something that, that came up uh, a few years ago with a, with a client of ours as well. Yeah, I I also think I've had a, an experience um, before where um, product managers were trying to work on a feature that had a target audience of women. So they joined the woman chat to ask questions at the, the woman ERG um, for their feedback. And yes, that's a way to directly access a bunch of women at the company. However, having men, you know, there in their chat, which has been these women's you know space for a while was not a good feeling so uh, we had to have a talk and be like by the way leave if you want (laughs) yeah like we we literally just had to dm someone and be like hey i'm removing you from this because um it just you know people are messaging that they felt uncomfortable that you know all their previous messages were now visible and they were not 
saying things with with an audience for um, men to see and they were uncomfortable with it. So I, I do think that that's another thing to consider. Like you're not what you were just saying by like, just because it's not for you does not mean you're like left out. It just means it's an, a support for these communities that need the extra support. By the way, get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> I know what I no, actually, now that we're talking that that example that you brought up, we did have a client uh, more recently that their particular Slack channel uh, that was sort of supplementing their ERG for women. Uh, they, the invite extended to anyone who wanted to be supportive of this as well. And I, I know like I popped in there a time, a time or two, uh, and found that like the people who were allies really were, um, you know, uh, telling the other people inside of the ERG how to feel or what to not be offended by or things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm personally pro like limiting those spaces. Like, you know what, <laughs> I've got, I've got plenty of people to tell me what I should and shouldn't be offended by just in the space of my everyday life. Like, uh, an ERG should be a place where there is some more support there from, from people who are, are dealing with similar issues. So and if there is a company that, you know, their ERDs are for, you know, that demographic plus others, join as another, but, you know, know that it's for you to listen and learn rather than speak. So sure. a view only type of space. I like that. It's very, very technical terms. Anybody else want to add anything? Well, in the spirit of learning in public i realized that we did not present julian julian's pronouns <laughs> we have ours at the beginning of the episode but we were just like bulldozed <laughs> and then we're going to well, talk I about how you get, should I don't, I don't don't get to add myself to the intro oh, <laughs> oh that's sorry. a fancy way of doing it i mean yeah. I'm julian and my pronouns are he or they <laughs> you did there, such you a good job you you don't even want to know how many takes it took me. <laughs> I mean, I think you can guess, but that's <laughs> the problem, which was pronouncing the name. <laughs> I oh. like I like too, Alan. How uh, yes, the the learning in public bit, but you did the thing that you were talking about other people when they get afraid <laughs> to mention pronouns. You were like, Julian didn't mention. Julian's pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> also, at the end of the podcast, after we already did everything, I literally, as no. the sentence was coming out, I was like, wait, I didn't word this right because I'm going to expose <laughs> the knowledge of the pronouns. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> See, we all have things to learn and work on. Yeah. Well, I do want to say, though, I think this was a good example of um, if you're with friends, you know, not in a business setting. And if you're with friends and you just walked up to a group and there's someone there whose pronouns you don't know, um, you can tell by someone else referring to them 
what their pronouns are. Like, instead yeah. of calling them out and be like, hey, you over there, what what should I refer to you as? Um, and, and making making it a whole thing and stopping everyone's conversations, you can either <laughs> see how someone else refers to them or if you have a mutual friend, just be like, by the way, do you know that person's pronouns? So it was kind of a way that we all did, if you didn't know my pronouns ahead of time, was inferred it from the conversations that were happening. And I you, totally you thought that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that. I was like, I'm about to do the thing. <laughs> I'm going to do the thing. <laughs> I was like, but I, I weighed it and I was like, you know what? I think it's okay. <laughs> Better than. I'm gonna do nothing we talked about and everything <laughs> we talked about that we shouldn't. Well, earlier when I we talked about how I did the someone or Alwyn was because I had to do a quick wait to Danielle or Kaylee use she they and then go okay Alwyn. <laughs> I was doing that Alwyn. Alwyn in my head. Amazing. I'm the one no. that was remembered. <laughs> There was a a beautiful hair flip for those of you who aren't watching. Maybe you ought to is, uh, is the the thing we learned here. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, it kind of neatly ties things up with a bow that, yeah, we all are learning in public and it's something that we come back to over and over and over again uh, that, you know, we do want to normalize this idea of learning it from our mistakes that we all are human. We all do make mistakes. Um, Julian, normally we like, we've, we've in the past asked guests to share their biggest mistake at work. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you prepared for that? Oh, I brainstormed this for the past few weeks. I, I had a clarification question. Fine. Oh, it's please. like a mistake that affected my career or just like mistake that affected me either which one's worse um, I have like there's so many mistakes I've made but um I have like a funny one that kind of ties into a different one is um at my previous company the new hires would regularly get lunch with the um CEO so like once a month the CEO would sit down with all the new hires and um like pick his brain Kaylee fix your face oh my god (laughs) I don't It was supposed to be like a good thing. It was supposed to be like, look, I would hate that. You're nobody and you get to talk to the CEO. I'm a Scorpio stellium, so I'm like leaning in. (laughs) Well, so, you know, this is a tech company and he starts going on and on about how, you know, he gets up, he goes to work and then he gets home and I'm a software engineer and he codes some more and then he like gets up, goes to work and then codes some more and like, he's like, I'm always learning, blah, blah, blah. And my face at that moment was, and I can't really, if you're not, if you're not watching, then my face is kind of like really doubtful and kind of in disgust. Um, and I can't hide my facial expressions. So he looked at me and he went, you, he goes, you don't look like you agree with that. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I, was like, I believe in in work life balance. I feel like I become a better engineer by going home and doing anything but coding. And I wake up and I can go to work and code and not learn about more coding. And he was like, "Oh yeah, haha." And so I kind of spoke up against him in that moment as someone who was you know twenty three and just started working there. Uh, and then afterwards, I was freaking out. I had to have everyone assure me that it was fine that I just disagreed with the CEO and a big setting. 
just disagreed with the CEO <laughs> in front of a major tech company. Just, yeah, you know, like. yeah, it was it was a bit scary because he was also um, one of the co-founders, so it was a, a big deal. Um, and they're like, "You're fine. You're not going to get fired." I think that the way I learned that is at a previous company before that. I had let work become everything I did. Um, you know, I woke up, I went to work, I got dinner, went to the gym, went back to work. Um, especially because at the time it was um, an internship, so I was only there for eight months. Um, and I felt like I had to use as much possible time to learn. And I think from there is when I learned that you really have to make a choice, you know, early on. Um I mean, you can change your decision if the whole concept of do you live to work or do you work to live? And I thought that to be a successful engineer, I had to be working all the time. I had to go home. I had to code more um, because that's what my, some of my peers were doing. Some of my peers love to code all the time. That's personally not me. Um, and I burnt myself out so quickly doing that. And there's times when I like kind of get deep into work and I start to do that again. And even if I'm not working all the time, I, I get off work and I'm still carrying all of my thoughts with me or I'm on call a lot. And I think mistakes I have made in the past that have really affected my mental health and then affected how I am and performing at work um, has been not separating work and life. Having a bad work-life balance is, is what's make me, makes me a worse person and a worse engineer. So I think yeah. that's a joke that leads into my, I'm standing my ground on the CEO yeah. being wrong. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you worked there and that you weren't fired because Alan and Kaylee would be fired if they disagreed with anything that I said <laughs> ever. Yeah. I, I'm i not very disagreeable. I agree. No, with I agree everything. with everything. <laughs> The, the amount of bullshit that just came out of both of your mouths. Same, same chart, dating the same chart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, um, I, I we really appreciate you you sharing all of that. Um yeah, because I mean, we are all learning in public. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we believe here is that if people understood that the mistakes that they make uh, and the ways that they can improve their areas of opportunity, if that was something that was normalized, that everybody has these areas of opportunity, everybody is learning in public, then maybe people would be less defensive about it. They would uh, stop trying to stand up for, for bad behavior. And they would instead take a step back and go, hey, you know what, this is a learning opportunity for me. Uh, and that's why I think it's, you know, even even on this pod, Julie and I really appreciate the fact that you had no issue just making gentle corrections here and there um, when we screwed things up, you know, because that's something that we're going to do. Uh, like I said earlier, the, the term non-binary had not even entered my lexicon, you know, um, 10 years ago, shit, like six years ago, probably. So, um, you know, these are things that, that we are having to learn and, and change and do differently. Um, and the thing that we know today, fuck this, this podcast might age terribly. This yeah. episode might age 
terribly because it could be in a few years that we find out that that everything that we said here that actually you know these things have changed um that's why you know it's something that that we try to uh, put out there for our audience to understand that, like, you know, even if we, even if we make the make fun of you voice every so often, like truly we are all still figuring this out. Like, you know, Alan with the, if it's on Google, where do I find it? Only to be followed by, but sometimes Google is transphobic too. <laughs> like what, <laughs> uh, you know, there, I, I think that, I think we all do this. So um, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the episode uh, and answering all of these questions. Thank you to you. Thank you to the Trevor Project for uh, being okay with uh, with us u- using their name as well uh, in connection to you. And thank you to everybody that also gave you that extra feedback. We really appreciate, um, you know, obviously there is a lot of nuance and there's a lot of individuality and a lot of things that are going to change based on the person. But I really do feel like, uh, like we learned a great deal. I learned a great deal uh, today and, and and I hope our listeners did too. This is probably going to be a two-parter. <laughs> so, I'm doing, and I'm sorry. I know we you have a comedy show to get to. Oh, that was that was last week, but I do. I am going to bingo this week. So, oh, oh sure, like sure. <laughs> well then, we it's, don't it's drag bingo. I think <laughs> we don't want to keep you from bingo. <laughs> so. Uh, thank you again for, for joining us. And uh, thank you to all of you at home listening, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we hope that this episode has been really insightful for you. Maybe this two episodes is probably going to get cut into two episodes, yeah. let's be real. Five and, <laughs> and we are uh, excited to have you join us again next week. Okay, bye. Thanks for tuning in to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast brought to you by Broad Digital Consulting. Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Alan Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital. That's B-R-O-A-D dot digital. Or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snark It. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 